Yeah, you know, that's exactly what I said in our last episode. The real risk is not the state sponsors of terrorism, but it's when the weapons that they use get into the hands of regular criminals. And then they use those military grade cyber weapons on you. You know, listen to what she said. That answers the question of why I got into cybersecurity. We do several billion dollars in cybersecurity. Subtle brag. But <laughs> so what you're saying, what we need to do is we need to start a campaign to get you on this forum next year. Is that that's what I'm hearing, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. All right, listen. No, no. Listen I, up. I, listen I, up. All, all, all of our viewers, keep going. All keep of going. our listeners, right now, we got to start a campaign. We're going to get Michael C. Hill on next year's World no, Forum. No. We're, we're going to do it. The World Economic Forum 2024. <laughs> Michael C. Hill. That should be the headline. Welcome back to the Cyber Guys Podcast, the cybersecurity podcast for everybody. My name is Andrew Valencia, and of course, I'm joined by Mike Hill. And today, we're actually going to take a look at the World Economic Forum's Protecting Cyberspace Amid Exponential Change. So we're going to actually take a look at the forum that they had uh, today. It's going to be some good, good stuff. But first... Please hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Hit that like button. And if this is your first time joining us, welcome. Glad that you're here. And if you're coming on back, thanks a whole lot for coming back. Appreciate you. Appreciate you coming and showing support. Hit that like button. Double check that ring icon is hit. And that's about it. Let's go ahead and jump into it. All right. I'm Karen Cho, co-anchor of Squawkbox Europe from CNBC. Thank you so much for joining us. A big warm welcome to the World Economic Forum. Participants, delegates, and stakeholders, thank you so much for joining this special discussion, protecting cyberspace amid exponential change. It was roughly six months ago, I was on a similar stage here at the World Economic Forum with the Secretary General of Interpol, who was warning us about escalating cybersecurity risks, that effectively military-grade cyber weapons would eventually end up in the hands of criminals, bringing more sophisticated cyber attacks. From state actors amid the war in Ukraine to cyber, cyber criminals, the threat is... So, Mike, we've actually already seen that happen in the past, right? Yeah, you know, that's exactly what I said in our last episode. I mean, the real risk is not uh, the state sponsors of terrorism doing their terrorism, uh, but it's when the weapons that they use get into the hands of regular criminals. And then they use those military grade cyber weapons on you, against you, hitting your uh, information systems, you know, robbing you of your identity. You know, robbing you of your uh, valuable resources, damaging your reputation, stealing your trade secrets, whatever it is that you have at risk. It's when the military grade cyber weapons are used against you that we're, we're in an, another game altogether. Uh, joining us on stage, Sadie Kreese, who is professor of cybersecurity, University of Oxford, United Kingdom. Doreen Bogdan Martin, Secretary General, International Telecommunication Union, or ITU. Chuck Robbins, Chair and CEO of Cisco. Brad Smith, Vice Chair and President of Microsoft. Thank you all for joining us today. Look at who they have here. Their guests are showing us one of their biggest blind spots right from the beginning. 
you have someone from the ITU, you have someone from Cisco, you have right. uh, someone who's an academic from Oxford. Someone from Microsoft. <laughs> and then and someone, someone from, from Microsoft. Microsoft. Right. Think about that. Everyone in that group that they're looking to for their advice, that they're looking to for their comfort or maybe the fear or whatever, they're all coming from a particular point of view uh, that is already heavy, heavy, heavy geared toward technical solutions. The only person that maybe has some objectivity uh, from that is, is, is the professor from Oxford. But then that's a purely academic right. perspective. Right. You know, so right from the jump, this forum to discuss this topic has a huge blind spot. Well, first up, let's start with some data, some key takeaway points from the 2023 Global Cybersecurity Outlook Report. This is a study of cyber professionals, rather, and business leaders, how they view the threat. Effectively, the threat has changed. The focus now is on business disruption and reputational damage from cyber criminals than was the case a year ago. Also, the perception gap between business and cyber leaders on the importance of cyber risk management has changed. 91% of all respondents now believe that a far-reaching, catastrophic cyber event is at least somewhat likely in the next two years. Right there, that, that's your headline. That's your headline. That that's the yeah. the catastrophic headline that was written. Doom, and you don't have to read anything more. You don't have to watch the video any more than that. You just take that little clip, pop it onto a headline, and, and that's what makes the news. That's what we talked about last week. Yeah. Yeah. But the the real danger of that, especially leading with that, is it's very telling that ninety percent agree that that sort of thing is gonna happen. But 70% don't really see the need to do very much about it. <laughs> that tells that tell you a lot. That, that tells you that while they believe it, they don't see the relevance of it. And uh, right. the idea of having anything really to do with you know, uh, their day-to-day -day business, that disconnect is obvious. You know, it, It's kind of like the question is, do you think it's going to rain today uh, or this week? You know, Most people are going to say, yeah, it's probably going to rain this week. You know, but if you don't have a leaky roof or you don't perceive or know that you have a leaky roof, how much do you, you don't care buy about the rain? That's what it is. You, you, you <laughs> well, that's care. the thing, right? Is Am I going to buy? Am I going to buy? I know it's going to rain. Should I buy an umbrella? And your perception is I don't really need to care about water falling from the sky because I'm staying indoors. And that's exactly. a blind spot. Does, it's a blind spot. Big time. Professor, why don't you kick it off for us? You're an expert in the field of cybersecurity, threat modeling and detection. Are cyber experts and business leaders right to fear an imminent damaging cyber attack? Absolutely. And in fact, um, the geopolitical instability that we're witnessing um, is increasing the challenges and actually the, the pace at which this risk is growing. If we see the situation where um, <coughs> nations involved in conflicts become less restrained in cyberspace, and that's going to have very significant consequence for us all. So, so we're already couching this. We're already couching this in geopolitics. And we, talk, we, said that la we talked about that last week, right? When we talk geopolitics, yeah. we're talking about nation-state actors who are threatening what, right? Critical infrastructure. So we're already couching this in one very um, narrow spectrum, I think. Whereas she, she, the threat is to, to all. 
there. But she she made an interesting uh, expression, uh, just a little nuanced expression there. She says, when nation state actors stop behaving so cautiously as they engage in conflict, that's that's really what what she's alluding to. The fact that we know that there are nation state actors who have effective cyber weapons that could be applied against mm-hmm. the critical infrastructure of an enemy, but they've been restrained. They're holding back from using these things, but maybe they won't be as restrained because of whatever conflagration they're involved in in the future. That that seems to be the premise of of, of her uh, uh, of her thesis here. And and I don't think she's wrong. That's the nuance of the headline when we talk about catastrophe, right? Is that we know we have a good understanding of the threats that are out there and we have a general understanding of what they can do and what the limits of what they can do are, right? So it's very clear that their ammo has not been fully uh, utilized. They haven't used every gun in their arsenal. We understand that. I That's not something that's new, though. No, it's not. What's happened in the last 20, 23 years is a massive evolution of the ecosystem to a point where you see collaboration almost on a commercial scale. And what that means is people are sharing knowledge, they're sharing networks, and they're sharing cyber weaponry. So she's talking about those advanced persistent threats that we, we know of, right? Uh, the right. A, the APTs and we, that are we, out we've there. Done episodes are, we, we've, we've done some shows on it. Yep. Yeah, that we that are often sponsored by nation states, but not not but may actually lean more into like political um, alignment with some of those nation states, not just monetary compensation for a lot of what they do. So that's understandable when we talk about geopolitics, where the risks are coming from. Yeah. And and that that's a dangerous synergy. I mean, when when nation states see criminal organizations as being an ally against a particular target. You know, and the idea that they're going to enable, fund, or resource uh, those cyber criminals in new ways—you know—that that that is a a frightening prospect. Now, I'm a computer scientist, so I feel like I should drill down a little bit on the technology risks before I hand over to colleagues. Um, whenever we come to Davos, we're always inspired at the potential that technology can bring to all of us, and. Um, Right now, today, everybody's immersed in the metaverse, or at least dreaming of the metaverse. And if not the metaverse, it's quantum, or it's um, artificial intelligence and and things like that. These huge investments um, come alongside, as we all know, with any new technology, any new business model, any new supply chain, any new ecosystem, any new trends in the way in which we humans engage with technology can bring about new attack surface and an opportunity. And that's happening and growing at a significant pace. So if you imagine this, our ambitions for digital and data growing at a pace, unfortunately, that means the potential for harming us because we're becoming so dependent upon it is growing at a pace. Yeah. That then amplifies the interest of cyber criminals yes. and cyber that, that, terrorists. Stop right here for a second. That's stop, growing stop right at a pace. Second. You know, listen to what she said. That answers the question of why I got into cybersecurity. I mean, in in a nutshell, she just (laughs) described why. Um, I mean, I've been a computer scientist since I was a kid, you know, (laughs) before I even went to college, Um, you know, as far as being a programmer, at least, emerging computer scientist. But the point is, you know, that was my life, you know, Um, figuring out all the things you can do with computers was, was the focus until 
you know, I got to a point and realized that everybody was like me, focusing just on what we can do and not what can be done. <laughs> that's not necessarily right. intended. And that statement that she made, you know, uh, is it, such an important thing. I think is overseen. It's overseen so much. I even was in a discussion with a senior leader once about this. And and that was the point I was trying to make to him. And, and this, this is a person who was very responsible to a lot uh, for very, very critical information systems, I mean, national security implications and everything. And uh, the, the whole uh, speech that, that I gave him was, we've been moving at such a clip with everything that we can use these tools to do that we just haven't been watching what that opens up. And the more we put our lives, our resources, our everything in cyberspace, then it's only logical that cybersecurity and cybercrime have to rise with it. But it hasn't been the case. Everyone's pushing forward on the new technology, but they're reticent, hesitant, and cheap when it comes to defending those new technologies and, and those new forays. Yeah, over over reliance on technology is an old cliche that we've seen tons of times in, in movies and books and stories and, and in you know in the but news. It's a reality. I think there, but it's a reality, and I think you know the digitizing of life, as as we kind of call it sometimes. It's like putting anything from the real world into the digital world is going to follow, you know, major risks, right? Just like walking outside your front door, there's risks that are being accepted. But I think something that that is out there, um, but people don't know, are the risks when they do that. She brought up metaverse. She brought up quantum computing. She, you know, we're talking about things that are very complicated and not easy to discuss to the general population out there or to the general user. And so, by utilizing the technology, they don't. I don't know that there's a full understanding of the risks that are being accepted just by utilizing it or depending on it. Yeah. Well, especially between AI and quantum. I mean, AI and quantum are, are, are going to revolutionize the way we yeah. interface with computers and digital systems. Metaverse, I think, is a little overstated, but you know, it, it probably has a role too. But I think uh, that one gets overstated. But AI and uh, the, the the leap into quantum computing, uh, there, there, there's very little overstatement there in the impact that those are going to have, and the, the potential risks that they will also bring into. Uh, our use of these digital systems. Right. But let's, let's keep going. As we take a look at the landscape now, which is changing, what jumps out to you about the uh, technology, the approach from a policymaker to a company level that is required here to bolster digital resilience globally, given the threats we are facing? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, maybe if I could start with um, what keeps me up at night, and that would be really the, the threat of a complete disruption, uh, a digital storm, as you said, uh, a complete disruption to global communications. And so the International Telecommunications uh, Union, right? The, the, these, this is the um, organization uh, that basically works with all the vendors, all the technology, uh, emerging standards, everything that has to do with the fundamental telecommunication equipment that we're relying on. Uh, she's the uh, secretary general of that organization. So when we think about that, it makes sense that she's going to comment on her deepest fear at night being a disruption to telecommunications because that's her whole world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I mean, they're, it's, they're, they're a United Nations agency. So, yeah, absolutely. Her, 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 her fear is going to be a global collapse of communication. 100%. I think it's, I, and I don't think it's overstated. Uh, we'll, we'll just put that out there. <laughs> We're not, I don't think that's an overstated concern. I think that for somebody who's as yeah, specialized as she is in this realm, it should absolutely be a concern. Cisco works globally, building digital resilience for institutions, governments, companies. Are you raising the red flag on the threat level this year and next? Well, it's uh, first of all, thanks for having me. I, it, it is uh, there's so many things happening in the way people are working and the way enterprises are building. Their, I'd say the threat landscape is has evolved tremendously and it's expanding rapidly. It's a, and then layer on the geopolitical dynamics that are happening, it's, we're at a high risk level right now. Our team has shifted this year to not only the business opportunity, we, we do several billion dollars in cybersecurity. Every Subtle year, brag. But our team has come to the conclusion <laughs> yeah. that we yeah. have a responsibility. So it's, it's, it's all about the connections. It's all, it's all about connections, you know, uh, which of course, Cisco builds the connections. They're, they're, they're the backbone hardware provider. Okay, so it's all about that. And then, yeah, by the way, we, we do. And so we believe we now have to bake security deeply into the network because that's the only place where you can really guarantee the protection. See, that's the point. Everything is about the network because that's what he's... So, so, so that's really the point. To the ITU, everything is about fundamental communications. To Cisco, everything is about the network. What, what's Microsoft going to say? Everything is about your PC experience. I mean, you know... It, you know it, they're they're covering they're covering critical components of cybersecurity. Don't get me wrong; they are. You know, those are all critical components. But the reality is, they're missing a huge, huge, huge element to what really is involved in cybersecurity. Here's the here's the problem, though, with looking at cybersecurity in a net centric perspective. It becomes beside the point what is where. It's all about the throughput. But the point is, it really matters what is where. You know, bottom line is, is if you think of the network as the highway, right? Well, then the cars on the highway are just the intermediary between what's in the destinations at the, at, at, at the different points. So I'll give you a few examples. Number one, just hybrid work and mobility. Everybody is everywhere, and so you have to protect them regardless of where they are. We're having to think about the home as a small branch office now. And the second is most enterprises are moving away from having their own dedicated network out to their remote locations. And they're basically creating virtual networks on top of the internet. Okay, so they're connecting to the internet, and then they're having secure tunnels or you know connectivity through the internet to get to cloud services like what brad and the team deliver so he so so far he's he, he's been working on selling at least three different products <laughs> uh his soho routers his wi-fi now 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 uh he's selling uh cisco AnyConnect. um so so we can see this is definitely uh cisco centric in well, his perspective I mean, you know uh <laughs> Yeah, his perspective is obviously going to be network oriented, right? That's the paradigm in which he's viewing cybersecurity through. But like, and that's what and that's he's what selling. selling. So <laughs> that's what he's selling. He's selling network equipment. <laughs>
And when you look at everything he's saying, he's looking at all the reasons why you need to buy Cisco networking. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's and so we've talked about this quite a, quite a lot, right? When we view cybersecurity through this narrow lens of technology or you know network infrastructure only, we have a major blind spot. And he mentioned it in one of his listings of his services, right? We have mobile individuals. We have people working from home and those are users. Users are initiating that, that move. And they're also introducing that vector of attack, right? By utilize, by having a user there in place. So yeah, we're, we're definitely missing a part of sound cybersecurity for sure by focusing solely on that network side. But again, he's the CEO of Cisco, so he should be selling Cisco, right? That's it. <laughs> that's, that's his job. He's selling product though. That's, that's what he's, he's there to do. You know, be scared so that you buy more product. And not be not be scared, and therefore let's find yeah. some common solutions. You know, although you know, to the end, end that common solutions buy you know sell more of my product, uh, I'm cool <laughs> with that. But in the end, it's product, product, product. And and, and the problem with being so network centric is the network is the transport. The network does the connection, as he's been alluding to. But it's only when you're worried about data in flight that that's your risk, which means only if you're moving something sensitive across the wire is the wire your core thing, your, your, your core problem. You know, very often what we transmit across the wire is probably on the more secure side of what's being, uh, uh, you know, what we have in terms of uh, IT assets throughout the entire process. So, you know, with that being the sole focus you know, uh, of, of everything, you know, you're going to have a huge well, not, not that I want to, you know, take too much away from, you know, multi-million dollar, you know, CEOs out there. But, you know, it's it's due to the fact that Cisco has focused so highly on security, right? Their their solutions are, you know, effective. They they have robust security packages for, you know, their their hardware and their offerings. That's, that's all well and good. But we've seen time and time again, <laughs> data breaches still occur. Right, hackers find ways right around it, yeah. and it happens at the application level and, and the layer. Is, it happens at every other layer on top of the network, and they have you know sound you know secure infrastructure in a lot of cases, and still are breached. Yeah, and but the thing is, it, it's it, it's not the bash. I, I actually love Cisco. I, I'm a stockholder. I'm certified <laughs> Cisco professional. You know, I, I'm all. I, I I have a Microsoft certification too, so I'm, I'm not here to bash either, either of these guys. But but just the perspective of where they fit—they're just puzzle right, pieces. Right. A puzzle pieces in a huge jigsaw, a kaleidoscope. To mix metaphors, there, <laughs> and there's so many different aspects. Yeah, I, I, I also you know it's a jigsaw puzzle of a kaleidoscope yeah. view. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so. You know the the idea of trying to uh, uh, reduce things down into a single perspective is is going to sure, lead no doubt, lines. no doubt. But I think there's something we didn't talk about this as much last week when we talked about the uh, outlook for 2023. Also, but these reports aren't really for the layman, right? They're not for the general population. This is a business leader forum, right? This is this is for where business leaders come and they discuss all of the world, world economic, economic issues. Yeah that are out there, including cybersecurity, of course. So it's understandable that you have a business leader like Cisco there talking about, hey, this is how we do this. Uh, same with what Microsoft, I'm sure, will say soon, sooner or later. 
there's no industry representative though to counteract that and that's a problem right um well, see that—that's—that's that's really my critique. Yeah. Honestly, that's really my critique. When you when you look at the the panel itself, the panel is academic, network, network, endpoint software yep. company. That that that's the panel. That means that the perspective of whoever even organized the panel says that when it comes to the world economics consideration for cybersecurity. We're mainly focused on the network yep. and the general purpose software uh, endpoint and, and that product centric view of cybersecurity. That's where we're going to find our solutions. As a cybersecurity professional, I have to say that's only part of the picture. So what you're saying, what we need to do is we need to start a campaign to get you on this forum next year. Is that that's what I'm hearing, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> all right, listen. No, no. Listen up, all, 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 all of our viewers, keep going, all keep of our going. listeners. Right now, we got to start a campaign. We're going to get Michael C. Hill on next year's World no, Forum. No, we're we're going to do it. The World Economic Forum 2024. <laughs> Michael C. Hill is going to be on that on that yeah. panel. <laughs> yeah. Right. Aim high, right? Uh, moving Aim on. High. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, let me turn to you because uh, there are constant threats here as we take a look at cybersecurity from the geopolitical side to what we're seeing from criminals. Just weigh in on the extent of the threat that you think we're facing. Well, I actually think the current situation is pretty textured, is the way I would put it. The first thing I would just note is that the last 12 months have been the biggest victory for defensive cybersecurity technology since the cybersecurity profession was created, in my view. That should have been a headline. That could have been a headline in and of itself because it's absolutely true. Yeah. We, have not had, we have not had a situation like we've had in Ukraine, in Russia, with the, in the geopolitical uh, mess that it's caused. We haven't had that with regards to defensive cybersecurity. Not at that scale. And, you know, I, I don't know. He's, I'm sure he's going to go and talk more about it. But at the end of the day, how many successful cybersecurity attacks have there been from Russia against Ukraine? Right? Yeah. yeah. There's, there's and, and, you know, that, 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 is, that is an important thing. You, you, you got to actually be balanced when you talk about these things. So, you know, you, you start off with a doom and gloom statement. And then, he, he, you know, he's going to be the optimist on the panel, which is it's, it's good to see. And, you know, we, we have to acknowledge success when success Absolutely. occurs. We, we really do. We have to acknowledge improvement when there is improvement. Uh, in fact, ultimately, the greatest incentive to get more buy-in yes. is to show what it success can be done, looks right? like. It shows, hey, explain, this can actually work. Explain. Yeah. 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 This is where you are, but this is where you could be. And the gap between where you are and where you could be is not as costly as not changing. It, it, not the gap's not as big as you think it might nothing. be. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's not. It's not. You know, it's on terms of just, you know, uh, return on investment, you know, cost benefit analysis. It's in your interest. And that's the thing that fails to get communicated, I think, as yeah. often as it should. The last 12 months have witnessed the most vigorous, aggressive, sustained, destructive wave of cybersecurity attacks in history. It's been Russia, the Russian military, seeking to pound targets across Ukraine as well as six in Poland. Who has read 
about a massive cybersecurity defeat in Ukraine? No one. There hasn't been one. <laughs> right, yeah. So I swear I didn't, didn't skip ahead. But he's absolutely correct. And I, I, we're beating a dead horse at this point, but we really should be touting these victories, right? There should be more focus yeah. on what's going right than, oh, God, we're all going to die in the future, right? Absolutely. But the, the thing is, the reason why we have to worry about the, the doom and gloom scenario is because how many organizations are doing cybersecurity as well as Ukraine. <laughs> and I'm talking about cybersecurity defense. You know, I mean, they're doing it well. They're doing what, what all these organizations should be doing. But the truth is, most organizations aren't doing it. If Russia were targeting, you know, many other organizations around the world, the result would be very, very... Yeah, I mean, and, and I'll, I'll take the point uh, of... Uh, the professor from Oxford, when she she t did talk about you know advanced persistent threats and you know the 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 real risk of uh, the geopolitical spectrum is you know we don't know what we don't know we always right that's that's cyber one hundred one right we don't know what we don't know and we don't know if the weapons that Russia has the cyber weapons are more robust than what they've already shown so there is risk there of course and there is a, you can lay a a dark cloud I guess over this whole positive, you know, thing we're trying to spin. Uh, it, I think that's a realistic approach, but still you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you got, you have to celebrate the victories when they come because oftentimes they're so few and far between in this, in this industry. There hasn't been one. And this represents one of the important advances in my view, really over the last five years, it's the advance in defensive cybersecurity technology, especially the combination of threat intelligence and endpoint protection. But I think the reason the situation is textured is all this can be true and threats can be rising at the same time. Why? Well, one is because the landscape is so broad and because there are many that have vulnerabilities, either because they're creating technology without the kinds of controls in, say, the supply chain, or they're not deploying all of the protections that exist. Now, I, I got to say, of, of the panelists, and, and I'm someone who's been known to bash Microsoft for, for over 20 years, but I actually have to say that was the most balanced and lucid commentary out of anyone that's for been sure. up there so sure. far. Yeah. You know, I mean, the Cisco guy's just trying to sell stuff. You know, uh, the, the representative from the from the ITU is, is is talking about doom and gloom on on global communications. You know, the academic is like all academics thinking, you know, in very abstract uh, terms. You know, but the Microsoft guy actually is talking about real things. I mean, you know, are you vulnerable because you haven't deployed your security mm -hmm. measures the way you should? You're not following best practices. You're, you know, and and maybe in some cases you have, uh, um, you know, on on the supply side, someone not taking care of their supply risk and, and, and sourcing right. things with, right. you know, without consideration to the fact that it was, you know, uh, made in China where, where, where rogue mm -hmm. chips were, you know, embedded into the system. You know, you know, th those are very lucid and valid considerations. But the point is, cyber defense can work and it has proven itself to be effective generally when it's applied properly. And that's that's yeah, the, the thing I actually like. The, what I very, like most about what he has said, and I think what is, it's a very realistic take. Cybersecurity is broad. The application of cybersecurity is extremely broad. The most important thing isn't the net is applying, you know, a secure network. And, and it's, it's definitely not through those, that tunnel. It's 
it's very broad and requires broad application. Uh, absolutely. So I, I appreciate I appreciate him coming from that perspective. Chuck, I want to pick up on your comments around the network. Do you need to shrink the network to try and keep it safe? And what I mean by that is this deglobalization theme that you need to stop investing in certain places. I'm going to say Cisco says no. To shrink the network. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna I'm thinking Cisco is definitely going to say no. But also the also the practicality of that is well, it gets out of the bag, right? I mean. We're not going yeah. back. It's, it's out of the bag, and, and and you know what 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 are you going to say? You know, cut cut off the people who need technology the most, and only allow those who already have yeah. a glut of it. Well, I mean, look at our episode last week, right? We're, uh, we're dealing in international forums all the time for communication and networks. It's just we're not going to we're not cutting that down. I think that's a great theory, but it's not going to happen. Um, and we too, we've we've seen the Russians. Yeah. They 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 attacked us for ninety days straight after we pulled out of Russia, and uh, we actually published a document about it. So it's all com- it's all public information. Um, but I don't I don't think so. I think that um, I think the reality is that we have to we have to integrate security at every point. Yeah. Right. I mean, it has to be integrated everywhere. It's got to be integrated at the the D mark of the the branch or the home or the mobile device or whatever. It's got to be on the edge of the cloud where these guys are operating. It's got to be sitting in the, in the electrical grid. I mean, it, it has to be everywhere. And so, uh, that constitutes everywhere, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Which is, that's, that's the motif, yeah, the you, know? you know, everywhere connected yeah. Buy more Cisco yeah. products. And like I said, I'm a stockholder. So I, I mean, buy more Cisco yeah. products. Great. You know, but I, I, it's, no, I, I do think it, it's, I think it's, it's point, uh, I think it's a, it's it's a point proven here that business leaders are receiving information that is not as broad as it should be, right? They're receiving information about you know uh, securing networks. They're receiving information about how they need to you know introduce VPNs and so on and so forth. And that's all well and good, but there's other aspects to to the application of cybersecurity that they're not hearing also. And that might be why, I mean, if you know, I don't don't mean to provide too much conjecture here, but that might be why they see such a robust bill at the end of any time they want to try to increase their security or make it more robust is they see this very large bill at the end of the day for implementing certain architectures, certain solutions, certain software solutions. And they go, I think what we have now is fine. <laughs> right? Like we can get away yeah. with what we have now. Yeah. yeah. Cause it, it, it's all about cha-ching, yeah. cha-ching, you know, sell more products. Well, you know what? Our old system didn't do this. So let's just refresh your entire infrastructure with all our new stuff, you know? Yeah. And we'll also on, sign man. you up. Come on, man. But let, let's see what you the, up let's for with the, you know, uh, a monthly subscription. Let, let, for, you know, a cybersecurity, you know, as a service, uh, and we will maintain certain, you know, we'll, we'll cost it out based on our users and so on and so forth. And, oh, there's, there's a whole other bill. So we can build the infrastructure, give it to you and implement it and maintain it at the same time. Yeah, that's, that's costly. Like they say, that's money, costly, money, money. For sure. Yeah, money, money, money. Money, money, money. I agree wholeheartedly. And um, I would say this, I've worked in cybersecurity since the last century. And... Whenever we have imagined that we can somehow shrink down to the crown jewels, people have been wrong about that. Actually, because the system is not just technology. And so back in the olden days, this notion that you could have air-gapped systems that were considered more critical than others and somehow 
we'd keep all the bad stuff out. Um, and that only works, of course, if human beings are not involved. But okay, so she made a very yeah. You know, that, point. that's something. Yeah, well, let, let, let me say, say this real quick. You know, she she's kind of hitting a point of, of what I was thinking as they were talking about it. You you can't shrink it if you think of shrinking it as endpoints and 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 uh, participants right. in the environment, the actual nodes of of the internet. No, you're not going to shrink that. But you can shrink it in terms of what communication mm-hmm. goes where. You know, what what's your I.O. between your nodes? That's where you can shrink it. It's just not a shrinking of uh, the 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 uh, expanse. It's not a shrinking of um, the, the 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 depth and breadth, but it's a shrinking of the communication and therefore a shrinking of the. Attack right. And I think what she was we can extrapolate more on what she was talking about. But I think, you know, the concept of like least functionality comes into play there a little bit when we talked about shrinkage, but ultimately something she said that I wholeheartedly agree with are is essentially humans are part of the system too, right? That's huge. That's huge. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yeah. We could talk systems all day and that's all very abstract and it's all very, you know, based on, you know, here's the network architecture, here's our software, here's our applications. Here's our services, but at the end of the day, yep. those things are implemented, configured, maintained, yep. and and utilized by human beings. That's it. Yeah, it, she she actually described uh, a drawing that I that I use in in, in half of my cybersecurity classes, a, a drawing of the three legged yep. stool. Yep. You know, uh, technology, processes, yep. and humans. Those three elements are part of it, and 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 to try to fix everything with one leg of the stool is never going to do it. So she, she said it, and I, I do agree with it. So believe it or not, we actually only made it through about 15 minutes of the forum, and we still have like another half an hour to go through. Uh, but this episode's getting way too long at this point. So tell us down in the comments, should we make another episode to go through the rest of the forum? Go ahead and let us know. Look, uh, I think that's going to do it for today's episode. Um, but if you're not subscribed, what are you doing? Hit that subscribe button, hit that ring button, and also give us a like if you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, For Mike Hill, I'm Angie Valencia. Remember, stay safe, be secure, be sure. We'll see you next time.